The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. We are talking April importance rankings for the state of Wisconsin. We will also talk about managing the early Marquette expectations. We will discuss the Brewers being red hot after their home opener win at the very end of today's show. And that will be the program for everybody. Uh, if you aren't following along on social media, make sure you do. Tabby Keg on Twitter, Tabby Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. Uh, I have had a few things rolling on those things. Uh, the reviews are back running, which is great. Uh, we've been getting better response on those, which makes me happy uh, because when I start seeing those dip, I'm like, well, is it even worth recapping if they're not doing well? Uh, make sure that you are subscribed on uh, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Overcast, Google Play, wherever wherever you get your podcast, we are there. So uh, make sure that you are tapping in. If you're not subscribed, you know that those are the places we are. We're everywhere. Uh, and if you have already been subscribed, make sure that you're giving a rating. Make sure you're giving a review. If not, drop it in the group chat. If you think people would be interested in the content we have going, we would really appreciate that. Congratulations to our Tabby the Keg Madness winners. Uh, before we get started, uh, Mike, Nick, and Aaron, uh, make sure you get in contact with me via the socials. Uh, that is the easiest way for you to contact me. I left that in the Yahoo sort of description. If you listen to the podcast um, and you won, uh, make sure that's now you know. Um, so honestly, I'm not going to chase down people and be like, hey, you won money because some people I just don't know, A, they, I don't have them put usernames. Maybe that's something we have to do going forward is put your username on Instagram or Twitter and so we know who exactly you are in terms of entering these contests. But congrats to all those people um, and thank you for another good year. 57 people is a lot. We That was the most we've had, I think, the last few years. So really uh, cool for that and I hope that some of you turned into listeners, some of you turned into followers, um, and excited to do it again next year. And hopefully Marquette is a number one seed as people are making them out to be. Let's waste no more time though. Let's get into the April importance rankings. For those who are unfamiliar with the importance rankings, we do this every month at the start of the month. Obviously, with April starting over the weekend, uh, we don't usually tape weekend podcasts except for you know recaps or something like that. And what the April importance ranking or what importance rankings are is basically taking the most important things for the month and ranking them from one to ten, and going through and talking about what matters in the state of Wisconsin in terms of sports. And there isn't a ton on the schedule, right? This is getting into the leaner months. You have the Bucks playoffs, which we will talk about here very quickly. Uh, you have the Milwaukee Brewers starting the roll. You have the Badger spring game, and that's about it. And there's not, not a ton. And, uh, and importance rankings will get a little leaner um, as the as, as the months go on, um, I think, and it, it, which is okay, right? Like some months are going to be really, really jam-packed and there are going to be big games to talk about. There's going to be big moments to talk about. Um, and then there are others where you kind of have to fish for it. And we're fishing a little bit, but that's okay. Um, I'm excited to talk about it. I'm excited to get into it. And let's let's do waste no more time. Number one is the Milwaukee Bucks playoff run. So Milwaukee Bucks will start in the playoffs in two weeks. It will either be Saturday, April 15th, or it will be Sunday, April 16th. I've not looked at the playing game calendar 
I actually plan to look at that as we plan for Missionize podcast next week. But there will be a playing game. The Bucks will either play anyone from Atlanta, Miami, Chicago, or Toronto as that eight seed. It is very bunched right now in the seven through ten slots. So it's it's very unclear at this point who that team might be. I think it's fair to ask yourself on all four teams on who the Bucks potentially will be playing. And the April series should go pretty much till the end of April. I think by that last Saturday, you'll get the second round playoff game if the Bucs were to advance. I know that it's maybe a formality, but it's still basketball. It's still a lot of unpredictable things have already happened this year in sports. I'm not taking any chances. And if the Bucs were to advance, it would be either against Cleveland or New York. I think from a coolness perspective, playing against the Knicks, I think would mean more for the Bucks just because of the Madison Square Garden element. And I think after you know Giannis played against the Boston Celtics, there was sort of a awakening, if you will, from the Boston media that realized how good Giannis is. And and not that Giannis needed you know the validation there, but I, I think it helped. I think it, it made it made a point of how good Giannis is. And I think if Giannis were to play in, in Madison Square Garden and do things on the biggest stage, I think that matters. I think there would be a lot more people that would have different, different opinions about Giannis the same way we feel about Giannis. And that would be cool to me. So yes, we'll see if that if that happens. Uh, we'll see if you know the Bucks A can get out of the first round. They certainly should. If they don't, uh, that is a massive, massive red flag. Um, and then in the second round, it will either be against the Cavs or the Knicks. And the Cavs side of things, I think it's a team who's on the rise, but I think we've seen all year with Cleveland is when they, they are an underdog, when their you know, backs are against the wall, they really haven't performed well. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, betting trends aren't everything, but if you look at the Cavaliers and how they have performed in that dog role, it hasn't been, been great. And I think that just speaks to the fact that they're not ready yet. Like they're a year away from being, I think, someone we have to take really seriously. Um, but it's not, it's not time right now for Cleveland. I think Cleveland's in sort of a 2019 bucks sort of mode, maybe even less, maybe 2018. Now I know that team, you know, wasn't that good. Uh, but still, I, I, I think I, I think that's kind of right where they are. You know, if you're using the Bucks as the proxy here, I, I, I think they, they're good, right? But they're not uh, a finals contender. Uh, they're just, they, they're too young. Um, it's going to take some time. I think the Kings are sort of the same way. I, I think if you were to do best case scenario for Sacramento, it would be the Western Conference Finals. So yes, the NBA playoffs and the Bucks rank in as number one. We'll see who the Bucks play. Uh, but it'll be fun to get back into playoff mode uh, in a couple of weeks here. Number two for me on the importance ranking is Brian Gutekunst. So Brian Gutekunst has an interesting month. Brian Gutekunst not only has to manage the NFL draft, but he has to also figure out what they're going to do with Aaron Rodgers. Now, they need to trade Aaron Rodgers before the draft. No. Do I think that Jets fans and the New York Jets in general want to have Aaron Rodgers before the draft? Yes. I don't think Brian Gutekunst needs Rodgers traded before the draft. I think Brian Gutekunst is operating without Rodgers. He's okay with operating without Rodgers and knows kind of how he wants to mold his draft board. 
I think having extra second-round picks would help. I think the fact that Green Bay hasn't exactly given up on the 13th pick, according to Peter Schreiger, uh, who is as dialed in with the Jets because of his relationship with Robert Salah, and I think he has a good relationship with Joe Douglas as well. Um, real quick aside on Trags, who I like. I really like, respect him, think he does an awesome job. That said, I think he will be insufferable with the Rodgers stuff, given his relationship with the Jets when it comes to Bill Simmons' podcast every Friday. Like, I, I think that will be really, really tough to listen to as a Packer fan. But okay, back to Brian Gutekus. It's, an, it's a very important you know, month for Brian. And I, you could argue Brian has a more important month than the Bucs starting the playoffs because he has to nail this Rodgers thing. I think 2025 picks are ridiculous. I've seen a lot of that being floated around. Why why should the Packers, you know, have to kick the can on getting Rodgers' compensation? The Rodgers' compensation should be up front. Jordan Love is ready to go right now. This isn't a team that is like the Houston Texans, right, and completely rebuilding. We want picks for this year. We want picks for next year. So I, I do think the Green Bay Packers are, you know, they're going to get a deal done before the draft. I think I will – I won't go as far as the guarantee, but I, I think Brian Gutekunst gets it done. I think from there they will plan out what they're going to do. I still think a pick swap in the first round is very reasonable, and I think that will end up being sort of the caveat and that the Jets will still get a, a, a first-round pick. They will just move places with the Green Bay Packers. And I think that, to me, helps a lot, and I think a lot of fans would be more on Gutekunst's side. I do think it can go off the rails. I think there will be pressure on Brian. I think there'll be pressure on Jordan Love. I think there'll be pressure on, on Matt for definitely a pressure index podcast is in our near future. But yeah, it's very important to Brian not only, you know, gets the Rodgers compensation right, but nails the draft. And drafts is number three. And we'll, they kind of go together, right? I think making sure that Green Bay improves themselves. They still have a lot of question marks at the safety position. I don't think, you know, they, they didn't resign Adrian Amos. Adrian Amos did not sign with Baltimore after meeting with him, which is kind of suspicious, if you will, because A, Baltimore, pretty good defense. B, Baltimore is Adrian Amos's home. You would assume that they would have said, all right, yeah, cut the check, and something didn't work, right? Uh, we usually after visits and there's no, there's no deal, it's rare that they come back and be like, oh, yeah, actually they are signing with this team. It, it happens, but it, it's not often. So the safety position is still a major question mark and a major red flag for this team. And I, and I don't, I hope that the Packers aren't going to do with the safeties what they did with the wide receivers last year, where they got some random guy, Sammy Watkins, where he was past his prime and they added two rookies. And they were like, all right, that guy's going to hold the water. Rudy Ford, I thought, had a great year last year. I don't know if Rudy Ford's a starter. If they think Rudy Ford's a starter, I'd rather hear that from Ryan Gutekunst where it's like, all right, yeah, Rudy Ford is our guy. We're going with Rudy Ford. We believe that Rudy Ford has the potential to be an NFL starter. Do I agree with that? No, I don't think so. I think Rudy Ford's a special teamer. I think he's a once-in-a-while defender, uh, but we'll have to see. And who knows? Maybe maybe there's more stuff in the works that we don't know about. Maybe Corey Ballantyne, right? It's another guy they brought back who is another special teamer. Maybe they think he is. Maybe Tyreek Campbell, or uh, Carpenter, excuse me. Is it Cam Carpenter or Campbell? I think it's the seventh round pick from Georgia Tech. Maybe there's some thought that he can play. 
I don't know what they're doing at safety position, and that worries me because I don't think there's a safety available, you know, at 15 that you want to draft. I think Brian Branch has a lot of question marks. I think, you know, the other Alabama safety battle, I, I like him a little bit more, but I, again, it's it, there isn't. It, this is not like a top tier safety draft. There's no Javon Hollins in this draft right now. The other part of it is, you know, there are other positions to fill. So safety isn't the only only big deal for the Green Bay Packers. I think you need to get an edge rusher in some capacity. The fact that Rashawn Gary probably is not going to be ready until the middle of the season. I'm not preparing to have like full on Rashawn Gary until November or December. And it wouldn't surprise me if Rashawn Gary takes a slight step back next year, only because like ACL tears are a long process. Some, some people, they look exactly themselves. But you even saw it with Elton Jenkins, right? Remember Elton Jenkins? People were pretty critical of Elton early on last season. I think that gets lost in the shuffle of the Green Bay Packers. But there was a lot of like, yeah, Elton Jenkins does not look himself. Elton Jenkins struggled at the tackle position. He moved in the guard. It seemed to work out and seemed to everything to kind of be fixed. But what's to say Rashawn Gary doesn't struggle at least a little bit? I'm... Very high on Kensley, Kingsley Ingambare. So I do think adding an edge rusher to me is more of a second-day, third-day priority than a first-day. I mean, if they draft an edge in the first round, whatever. As If you can get more defensive talent, do it. And then the wide receiver position, I think it's a really interesting discussion. I don't think they need a first-round wide receiver. Um, I, I've been meaning to do, like, my draft takes, which I probably should do, um, and we will get more into it. But, yeah, I, I think – tight end obviously it's a huge tight end draft you have the need like draft a tight end like don't even think about it I understand that there are guys who I think Packer fans like more some like Kincaid I think more than national media likes Michael Mayer I I'm still okay with Michael Mayer I don't believe in Darnell Washington at 15 I think that would be a massive reach for Green Bay uh, if Darnell Washington falls and he's available in the second round yeah for sure take but not no way uh, at 15. So anyways, we should probably do a larger draft discussion. Uh, it's, it's not, I wouldn't say it's been neglected. Um, we've sort of not spent as much time on it. Um, partly Murph has been a little bit in a malaise about the whole Rodgers thing transparently. And Murph didn't really want, you know, he doesn't know what's, how the draft's going to break. So he, it seems like it's hard to build when you don't know all the picks. So it's part of the reason why we haven't done as much draft coverage as we've had in the years past. Maybe maybe him and I will try to squeeze out a few episodes here uh, down the stretch after uh, he returns from his time off. But he's a busy guy uh, as, as the draft gets closer. So we'll uh, have to figure that one out. All right, let's move on to other things uh, in terms of the importance rankings. Uh, number four, the Bucks role players. So I have the Bucks role players here at number four as, I mean, it's the first round of playoffs, right? There isn't there isn't much there that you likely need. You just need Drew, Giannis, Chris to do their job. I think for the young guys, or not the young guys, uh, the role players, I just want to see, I just want to see if some, you know, things bubble up. What do you see in the playoffs? Will there be sort of that Grayson Allen flamethrower, right? Where you have an awesome first round, Bryn, Bryn Forbes. It should be really the Bryn Forbes or Bryn Forbes was red hot, first round of the playoffs. He was awful. The rest of the way. <coughs> and then you had Grayson Allen last year, who was great in the first round, awful sort of the rest of the way. Uh, well, just one series. But 
is there someone that's going to kind of grab it by the balls and not only just have one good series, but have multiple good series? I guess it would be the Pat Connaughton Award, right? Pat Connaughton in 2021 was awesome in that playoffs from start to finish. And he was a vital, you know, asset and a reason why the Bucks won the title. Now, Pat's been really struggling. He's out of the rotation. Um, but so who is that guy? Is that Jay Crowder? Is that Joe Ingles? Is that Javon Carter? You know, who sort of steps up and, you know, is that guy? I, I think if you're going to say the Pat Connaughton Award, if I had to just handicap it, I would say Jay Crowder. I just think that Jay does so much on both sides of the ball. I think his defense is great. I think you saw it a lot against Philadelphia. I would like Jay Crowder to be the starter with Grayson Allen out with injury. We'll see if that's how Mike Boonholzer goes. That's kind of the biggest thing to me to watch tonight. Now, Chris Middleton also not playing uh, as he's you know resting with the back-to-back. And they're, they're having Chris go against Chicago, which I think is the smart thing to do. I think Ingles is out as well. So might not be the best day. Bucks should be fully healthy against Chicago. So I think that's the one to pay attention to what the Bucks do from a lineup perspective. Um, also, I think the Britain Forbes Award, I think would be more of a Javon Carter. Uh, if you had to if you had to give it out, I, I could see Carter having an awesome first round. Everybody's talking about Javon Carter, and then he just doesn't have the same same stuff, you know, second, third round NBA finals if the Bucks were to get there. So yeah, the, uh, Bucks role players are something I'm gonna watch uh, this April. Number five, the young brew crew. Uh, we've kind of tagged it to that. Um, a few me and a few people. Uh, the, Garrett Mitchell, Bryce Trang, Sal Freelick, Joey Weimer. Sal's not up, but the, the first three are Weimer, Trang, and Mitchell are all, you know, what you watch, I think, for the month of April when it comes to the Brewers. Uh, every night it seems like one of them is doing something fun. Terang last night uh, has the trip as the double, and then he also hits the Grand Slam. Uh, and that was just an awesome moment at Miller Park and really, I think, ingratiated himself into the Brewer community. Not to say that everyone wasn't a Bryce Terang guy before, but I think everybody's a Bryce Terang guy now. And and I think you're going to draw more excitement to the ballpark. I think they're going to be more of a desire to go see this Brewers team. I think it's brutal for Milwaukee that they have a homestand this week and then they have a three-game West Coast road trip. I think that sucks. Uh, just from a fan awareness perspective, uh, especially if these guys are starting to show out, I mean, it does draw demand. I think then they're home for Boston, Detroit, and uh, and the Angels the following, like, to end the month of April. Maybe that's better for weather purposes. We'll just have to see. But, yeah, I think every night you're going to be excited by one of those guys. And I feel bad for Sal Freelick, you know, knocking on the door. Because I don't know where you put Sal Freelick, right? I was thinking about that on Monday as these guys continue to perform. Like, where where does Sal go? Is it Christian Yelich gets DH next year? And and then you have Jesse Winker as a trade piece, you know, in the offseason. And that's how Sal fits in. Uh, is it, you know, an injury? I think that's really where Sal Freelick's waiting on is an injury. Because right now he... You're asking yourself, what's the difference between him, Christian Yelich, and Jesse Winker? And there, there isn't one. And he's kind of stuck. And that sucks. And I don't think they should put Sal Freelick in a trade. I'm not advocating for that at all. You could make a slight case that maybe he's a massive trade chip you could use if you need more, more offense or more pitching or whatever it may be come the deadline. Way too early to talk about that. But 
it's it's interesting to say the least. But it's the returns have been fun on all of them. Weimer made a great play out in the outfielder outfield yesterday. Weimer still hasn't really had his big offensive moment. Um, and I think that was some of the fears on Weimer and why he went down is he doesn't make as much contact as Terrania Mitchell, but very exciting nonetheless. Number six is Jordan Love. It's only an important month for Jordan Love because he's going to get the reins. There are going to be discussions had about Jordan Love. I think people will talk about Jordan Love down this down the stretch here in the month about what's next for the Packers. I wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Love does like a pivot podcast with Ryan Clark and Fred Taylor or something like that where we start kind of learning about Jordan Love. Uh, I think this is a month where Jordan Love starts to rise to prominence. Um, so I think you'll see a lot more of Jordan Love. This is more of me calling my shot. Number seven, uh, the Marquette decisions. So I think you have another month plus to enter the NBA draft. Uh, Tyler Kolick, Omax Prosper, uh, Oso Iguodaro could all potentially enter the draft. I think they all would get looks. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if any of them decide to get a read from the NBA people to say, all right, here, here's where you stand. Here's where we think you are. I think for a guy like Omax, it's weird, I think, for fans to say, all right, is that guy really an NBA talent? Uh, the numbers maybe don't match him in terms of an NBA player, but you look at the length, you look at the athleticism, you look at his ability to probably play, defend four positions. I don't know if he can defend centers, but I think he could defend four positions. Um, that makes him an NBA on your NBA radar. And a guy where they're like, all right, yeah, he's raw, but you put him in a couple of years in the G League and we think we can make something out of this guy. So I think for Omax, it really comes down to, he to me would be the one that I, I could see testing the waters. I don't think any of them will hire an agent. I think the fact that people are already putting Marquette as a top five team to start the year, there's something special about that. There's no way they don't read that and think, all right, we want to live up to these expectations, which we're going to talk about here in a second, kind of recapping the NCAA tournament. But yeah, those are decisions to make. I'd be crestfallen if any of them decide to go pro. I understand why. Um, I get it, right? It's everybody's dream. Uh, but I also don't think that any of them are getting guaranteed contracts, which you have to be a first-round pick to get a guaranteed contract. None of them are going in the first round. I Do I think next year there's a chance that Oso, Omax could go first round? Absolutely, 100%. I don't know about Kolik. I think Kolik just, he, he may be able to go first. I, I think he's a little undersized for you know the NBA, but his passing's really solid and his passing something to admire. So yeah, there are decisions that still need to be made for the Marquette Golden Eagles. And hopefully everybody's back. I think it would be easier on the fan base if they all are like, I'm back. We're not even testing the waters. We're getting better, you know, right now versus um, a couple months later. Number eight, I have Otani and Trout visiting American Family Field. It sucks that it's over NFL draft weekend. I didn't know this, uh, which is weird because I'm usually pretty good about calendars. And then I had mentioned that Otani and Trout were here to Murph on Saturday. And he's like, or like next, or not Saturday, but or I mentioned it on Saturday. There we go. And when I said that to him, he's like, oh yeah, when is it? And I said, oh, the 27th through the 29th. Oh, the draft. And I'm like, ah, shit, you're right. So I think that's that's a bummer, but still it's, it's worth seeing those guys at American Family Field. 
I get that you're now going to get to see them every other year. So they'll be back in 2025 if Otani's still on the Angels. Uh, it's cool to see both those both those guys play and see what they can do. I mean, Otani could probably rip up AmFam being from the left side of the plate. I, I haven't looked, nor will I look and see if Otani's pitching. I think that adds an element, right? What would cause me to skip skip the draft on Friday or Saturday? Be Otani pitching on one of those days. I, it's obviously way too far out to know if that's exactly happening. Although if the Saturday game's a night game, I think that makes it a little easier to go see to go see Otani and, and Trout on Saturday because then you, the draft is over. You don't necessarily have as much. Yeah, it's a six ten game, so that's that's a little easier. It's a little easier of a pill to swallow. I I, I could see myself finding myself there on on Saturday or Sunday. Uh, to watch because I just feel like that's one you got to go to. Um, so we'll see if I'm in the ballpark for it. But yeah, that's to me the biggest you know game in terms of in terms of like things going on this month in terms of actual events. I think that to me is an actual event worth going to. Number nine is specifically for me and something we'll probably talk a little bit more on the podcast about with Mitch. But we need to find a suburban broadhouse. So Mitch and I both live out in the suburbs now. Uh, Mitch has lived out here for a couple of years now. And the Broad House has always been home for big Bucks games. Uh, we love it there. Uh, we cannot say enough good things about the people there. I was just there on fr- on Saturday night, actually. Had great service. Had their honey mustard brat that's new, which was fantastic. Would recommend. You know, no free shout outs, but... The Brow House have been good people to us. And and really, I, I feel like I should definitely send a note out to their owner about all the things that we've done, you know, to raise awareness as a spot to watch the Bucks. But they have kind of redid their outside. It is not what it used to be. Uh, it looks a lot better. It's way more spacious. I, I get why they did it from a bar perspective. But still, in a lot of ways, they killed my baby boy uh, because that's where I watched all the Bucks run. And the sneaky thing that people forget about the Bucks 2021 run is it happened in the middle of summer, right? Because of COVID and everything else, they pushed back the season and it ended in July. So most of that Bucks run, we're watching out in very nice weather. And for the first, I don't know, two months of the normal NBA season, NBA you know playoff season, it's kind of cold in Wisconsin. It's like unpredictable. So there has to be a discussion on how do how do we find a suburban location to watch games, you know, on a Thursday night or a Friday night. Like going down to the Bra House on a Thursday or Friday is going to be much more difficult than it was last year. Now, might there still be reasons to do it? For sure. Um, but it we might need a suburban like location. So we are taking nominees. Um, we're, we'd be happy to uh, talk about this more on podcast and, and kind of suss it out because there's lefts, I think, would be in the conversation. I think Colonel Hartz. I, I think O'Sullivan's is a little older of a crowd. I don't know if they would appreciate all the screaming and yelling that Mitch does uh, during a game and myself. Uh, trying to think other nominees. Um, O'Donoghue's is too old as well. And uh, there's no disrespect to any of these bars. Uh, the castle, TV-wise, bad TVs. Um, trying to think. But we will work on it. It will be a discussion Mitch and I will have. 
I just think we need like a suburban satellite location. And it'd be a reason why the Brown House has to come out to Tosa or they have to build in Brookfield, man. Uh, but yeah, that's number nine. Number 10, Badger Spring scrimmage to wrap it up. Uh, I don't take a lot away from spring football. I think it'll just be interesting to read some of the stories about what Luke Fickle's doing. You know, who's winning that quarterback race. I think Tanner Morakai is the assumed QB1. But will, you know, a guy like Nick Evers, I think it's Evers, actually. Nick Evers, you know, take the crown from him. Uh, what does Braylon Allen look like with Phil Longo's sort of spread, power spread system? Uh, what are the receivers looking like? The defense? You know, I, I think there are just a lot of questions about how the Badgers look. And I don't think you can glean a ton from spring. But I think you're reading more articles about the Badgers this month than probably you, you're accustomed to in the month of April. All of this is brand new for Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin will be a bigger topic in September than they typically are. September will be such an interesting month with not only the Badgers starting fresh, but the Packers starting fresh. Uh, it's rare that I think you've seen that happen. I mean, obviously with the Packers, it's 2008, and it's when Farm started in 1993. So it's there aren't a lot of examples, or 92 for Farm. Whatever it may be. There, there aren't a lot of examples of this. Let's just put it that way. So it'll be interesting uh, nonetheless and uh, excited for April. So real quick, we'll run through it again. Ports rankings, Bucks playoffs, number one. Brian Gukus, two. Packers draft, three. Bucks role players, four. Uh, the Young Brew Crew, uh, five. Jordan Love, six. Marquette decisions, seventh. Otani and Trout at American Family Field, eight. The Suburban Bra House, and spring scrimmage nine and ten. We will do these again in the month of May. Hopefully, we can do it right at the start of the month. That's always nice when we can do it. Yeah, Monday, May first. So there you go. Uh, we will, uh, unless we have Bucks playoffs to talk about, Monday, May first will be your importance rankings. All right, let's move on to the Marquette Golden Eagles by way of the Yukon Huskies. So the Marquette Golden Eagles are starting next year with sky high expectations. Uh, we will talk a lot about this uh, as we get further along in the in the year uh, when November rolls around, things like that. But a lot of the early 2023-2024 rankings put Marquette at either number one, at number two, uh, just with everybody coming back and winning the Big East last season. They put them ahead of UConn with the assumption that UConn's going to lose some guys to the NBA draft. Now, if Sonogo comes back, if Jordan Hawkins comes back, Andre Jackson already said he might be back. Now, it's when you're in the moment, you win a title, you're always like, well, yeah, let's run it back. And then you think about it or you hear from people and you're like, hey, do you know you could be like a lottery pick and make, I don't know if Andrew, Andre Jackson's that good, but do you know you can make a lot of money? And I know NIL takes care of these guys, but still, like there is something to be said about the ability to be an NBA player and get a guaranteed deal. So yeah, we'll, we'll have to see on that. Um, but as for Marquette, it's just, I, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in as a fan, right? I, this is uncharted territory for the Golden Eagles. They've never really, even, you know, the, after the Dwayne Wade year, Dwayne Wade went pro right away. We knew Dwayne Wade was going pro. There really wasn't this like next generation. I think the Buzz Williams team, 
They were an 11 seed when they made the Sweet 16 the second year of Buzz. I think it was the second year. And then that next year, they were very talented because they brought a lot back. And I'm sure they were in the in the midst. I'd have to go back and look. But they weren't at this level. This is, you know, a top, top team. And John Fanta, who I love, um, I think everybody loves at this point, a uh, very well-liked media member, probably in the... I would say in the media member favorability rankings, Fanta is in that top 1%. He's like, yeah, they're going to bring everybody back and the expectation is a national championship. And I was like, holy shit. Like, like there is a difference between, you know, this year where it's like, yeah, it's fine and great and everything's a dream and it's been this incredible year for starting game one, whoever that's against, you know, probably a Atlantic Sun team. Uh, it's again, I'm, I'm using Liberty as an example. That's probably too good of a team to use. Let's use uh, Charleston Southern. Game one against Charleston Southern at the Pfizer Forum, and the expectation is a championship. That's crazy. That That's just not something Marquette fans are used to, and nor are the players. And, and that, to me, is a thing that's going to really be important for Shaka Smart is to manage these expectations. I think that it's a lot more difficult to be the hunted versus the huntee. And there will be a target on Marquette's back to start the year. Now, does Marquette need to be a top five team the entire season? Absolutely not, right? Creighton, remember, if you remember, Creighton had these expectations to start the year. And everybody was like, oh, Creighton, like, are we sure? Are we really thinking Creighton's gonna be a Final Four team? And they they were one basket away from being in the Final Four and honestly potentially being in the final game against UConn having an all-Big East final, which would have weirdly killed me um, if it was Creighton that was the team that was playing Connecticut. Even if, like, this is weird, but I would have rather Marquette lost to UConn in the final than Creighton lose to the final. And maybe, and I don't know, is that that weird? I don't know. Is is it not? I'm unsure. But anyways, uh, Creighton had the same expectations that Marquette did, especially after they got Bailey Shireman uh, from the transfer portal. And it was like, all systems are going. You're like, holy shit, this team is loaded. And I think Marquette's already loaded and they're already you know being talked about in that top five. But if you look at Creighton, going back to Creighton, like they started out hot. I think I have a tweet somewhere, which I should have found uh, yesterday when UConn won the title, where I was like, it pains me to say it, but UConn's really fucking good. When they were running through PK-85, UConn was so, so, so good. And then they dip a little bit, and then they rise back up. And I think for and Creighton, same thing. They looked really good in the Maui. They were a couple baskets away from winning the Maui. They Then after that, Ryan Kalbrenner gets sick. Uh, I think he had mono, but I don't think they actually diagnosed him with mono. He was down for six games. They lose six straight. They're six and six. And then they rise up, and then they got red hot. And there was not not a lot of teams that were better than Creighton. And Creighton ends up, you know, getting a six seed because they lost a couple games down the stretch. They, you know, weren't as sharp. I think had they beat Xavier, had they got to the Big East final, they're probably a five. They're pro- they might even be a four. No, probably not a four, but they're a five for sure. And so there you have And Creighton made it to the lead eight. So even if Marquette, you know, struggles and doesn't live up to those expectations, but still a top 25 team all season, I think you take that. And I think 
that's one of those things where you're going to have to work with the fan base a little bit. And that's, it's going to take, it's going to take some, it's a transition period for everybody. It's not just the players. Like the players are going to have a lot of it, but it's, it's going to be a lot on the fans too. Now, could things derail this? Yes. We talked about guys going pro. I don't think that if Omax were to leave, it would be a tough blow, but I think Marquette would figure it out. If Oso Aguidara went pro, that would change things. That would make Marquette more of a top 15, top 20 team, maybe even right outside, depending on what you did in the portal. If they lost Tyler Kolick, um, then I would say it's they're still a top 25 team, but they're not they're nowhere near a contender. You can't call them saying, oh yeah, they can win a national championship with this team, at least at this point. Now, maybe if you know whoever they get to replace Kolick or Sean Jones steps up or Cam Jones can actually be a point guard. Like then, yeah. If, or in Cam Jones, I guess another one. If he were to go pro or or he were to go portaling, but I don't think there's any signs of these guys, you know, wanting to leave. They're a pretty tight knit unit. Um, there's no real like use case for it. I think when we've seen guys leave Marquette, it's more play time. Like uh, Kenyon Ijare and Amarian Ellis, like those guys just want to play, and they know that they're going to be stuck by the beds. Kenyon is a, is a little bit interesting, or Kenyon, uh, sorry if I mispronounced that. Like, I think he should have stayed, but I'm not going to tell a college kid that they shouldn't go if they want to. I just don't know if he's going to get what he expects. I don't think a Power 5 team is looking at him. Like, I think he's going to go to play for a mid-major school, and maybe it's in Texas, maybe it's like Sam Houston, or even like a North Texas, right? would be, I, I, it's a mid-major, but it's a high mid-major. So maybe that's where he ends up, but we'll just have to see. Um, I just don't think he should expect that he's going to be playing at a top-tier school. Um, but he's super athletic, super talented. I won't be surprised if he's good. So that one is a bummer, but as long as the portal stays clean and the draft stays clean, yeah, Marquette's going to have big-ass expectations. And it's just a matter of managing it. And they have a pretty solid non-conference schedule already um you they have the Maui which is loaded next year uh the Maui to me is a thing you should try to go to if you're a Marquette fan and you don't have Thanksgiving plans because man it is jammed packed here's what you have right now Gonzaga will still be all right now if Julian Swather comes back they are much better Kansas has guys coming back so Kansas is there obviously Marquette Purdue, who if Zach Eady, there's rumors he might come back with the freshman guards. Like Purdue's going to be a top five team again. Purdue, you could make an argument if Eady comes back that they could be the Virginia of next season, like how Virginia was when they lost to UMBC. Syracuse, it'll be rebuilding. It'd be fun for me and my boy Shaken if Syracuse and Marquette play in the Maui. Uh, Tennessee, uh, again, a little bit rebuilding, but at Tennessee, Rick Barnes has done a, a good job of being an awesome regular season team. And then UCLA. Uh, UCLA will have Armari Bailey back. Uh, Bonin's going to be back. So it's going to be an awesome, awesome you know, showcase for Marquette. And Marquette might, might be the favorite. We'll have to see. Which would be crazy with all those teams that Marquette potentially is the favorite in the Maui. I would imagine that they try to get Marquette in the Gavit games. Uh, I think it would be awesome if it was Marquette, Michigan State. Why not do the rematch next year? Michigan State going to be super talented next season as well. Um, I also, they have Notre Dame at home. Now Notre Dame will have Micah Shrewsbury. That's an in, more of an interesting matchup. Shrewsbury, I think, 
will do a good job at Notre Dame, but I, I think it will take time for him to implement all the things he wants. So I, I do think like next next year playing Notre Dame might be a little more of an issue than playing or two years from now playing Notre Dame might be a little bit more of an issue. But yeah, um, that will be at home. I don't know if there's any other non-conference games that I'm missing. I'm pro- I probably am. Oh, Wisconsin, obviously. Uh, you're like, where's Wisconsin? I'm like, well, yeah. But and I think there, the jury's still out on what the Badgers are. I, I know we didn't really talk about the national championship game. It wasn't that exciting. UConn did what they've done to everybody. I thought that San Diego State might be able to keep it close. They did not. Uh, UConn just absolutely shit pumped this team, and they. I know it got close at the end a little bit, but it was all UConn all the time. Uh, anytime it felt like. San Diego State was creeping. I think they got down to five at one point. Jordan Hawkins hits a three. And that's sort of the story of the Huskies, man. It's been the story of the Huskies all, all throughout this run. I didn't get to see Dan Hurley in a close game. I have no idea the coach Dan Hurley would be. Uh, I had a buddy in a group chat saying, Did you, do you like Dan Hurley? And I was like, no, I think he's a penis. Uh, but he's like, and I, and I said, I thought he would be too emotional in a tight game in the tournament. And then you never saw it. And... He also commented that he felt like Dan turned it de- turned down a little bit from the regular season, and maybe he did, and credit to him. And now UConn is back at the top of the table, and it was I told you guys on Friday, if you listen to that podcast, it's, it's all about the fact that UConn being there helps the Big East. And I, I know you can hate the Huskies, you can be mad at the Huskies, but it helps the Big East. It is the cherry on top to put the Big East back into the forefront of college basketball. And the Big East is sort of carrying the torch as the basketball property. And I think that is a very big thing. So I do love that. I think that will make Big East basketball highlighted in the non-conference. I do wonder if ESPN gets back into the Big East conversation, right? Think about this for a second. With the And I, I have no idea where these negotiations are going. Fox has been very good to the Big East. But with the Big Ten, you know, leaving ESPN for the most part in the upcoming years, I do wonder, would you use the Big East as sort of your way, your conduit, if you will, to Big Ten basketball? And then you have it back on ESPN, Mass and Square Garden, the whole thing. You know, that when they do do the tournament, for uh, on Saturdays, you know, they did have to navigate ACC and everything else. But I just wonder, would the would ESPN dip their toe back into into the Big East as they you know need a little bit of help here? Um, also, with the emergence of the women's game, you know, having Paige Bruckers and UConn, you know, on a regular basis, I think would only help things as well. So. Be interesting to see if that happens. I know the negotiations are ongoing. Uh, also, there were some murmurs, I guess, of San Diego State joining the Pac-12, uh, which I think would be great. And if there is more realignment to come, uh, it'd be interesting to see if Marquette gets involved You know, with some of those West Coast teams. I don't think Gonzaga and St. Mary's make sense. I think that's just too much travel. I think that's... I, I, don't, like, I don't like UCLA and USC in the Big Ten. I don't really like Gonzaga and St. Mary's in there as well. I'd rather them look at stuff in the A-10 or, or even look at Conference USA. I don't know, man, though. Like, you got to remember, like, they have to have the money to support. And so I'm not sure. Big East in a very interesting spot. I don't, I, you got to adapt and die. But at the same time, you got to make sure the teams you're adapting with 
are not going to bring down your league in other in other capacities. So we'll just have to see there. But all in all, really good stuff from uh, you know UConn, and then you know we'll see what's next with Marquette. All right, let's move on really quick on the Brewers uh, before we wrap up today's show. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers, young guys, step up again. The Brewers win ten nothing against the New York Mets in the home opener. Uh, it's no basically what you want out of a home opener. They, it checked every fucking box. You know, great pitching, great hitting, and just another and a breakout star, right? Bryce Trang has four RBIs in this game. He has two hits. I think I said he had a double in this game. He did not have a double that scored a run. I think he ended up having a double that he was scored. No, it was a single. He stole a base, and then Jesse Winker um, drove him in in the third inning. But all in all, man, awesome game from Bryce Trang. He is now hitting 500. Uh, he, right now, is doing things that were only done by Paul Molitor, of all people, um, which is absolutely crazy. This is from Brewer Stats. No Brewers player has reached more than Bryce Trang in their four, first four career games. Trang has tied Paul Molitor for a record, reaching base eight times through four games. To make it even more impressive, Brewer Stats point out, Terang came off the bench on Saturday, so he only has 13 plate appearances. Molitor had 20 plate appearances in 1978. So that is, that's incredible. Uh, that is really, really a fun stat uh, for Bryce Terang, and it just continues for him. Uh, and, you know, Brian Anderson also, I think, deserves some credit too. Uh, he's hitting 455 to start the year. He had the Brewers' first home run of the season. Uh, he's playing really well. Uh, and remember, this guy was a Rookie of the Year candidate, you know, back in, two, I think it was 2018 or 2019 for the Marlins. And then he had a shoulder issue. Uh, the broadcast, the broadcast of Brian Anderson mentioned that, that he, you know, the shoulder thing kind of bothered him for a while and he was plagued by it. And now it's, you know, it seems seemingly better. Uh, so maybe the Brewers kind of struck gold there and they, they get a guy that can be a reliable bat for the Brewers. Um, so all good things. Um, almost everybody had a hit besides Yelich. Yelich was the only one without a, a base hit in this game. He didn't get on base with a walk, but I had four strikeouts. I didn't realize that. Oof. Rough start for the season for Yelly. Uh, but yeah, uh, Brewers now get Scherzer tonight. Um, that will not be easy. Uh, Wade Miley making his re-Brewer debut. Uh, but yes, Max Scherzer on the mound to face off against the Brewers. One thing the Brewers do have working for them was Scherzer, even though he dominated them last season uh, at Miller Park, American Family Field. I, guys, I don't know why I can't just say American Family Field. I think it's because Miller Park goes off the tongue so much easier. But he was, he was good against the Brewers in this one start. He had nine strikeouts. He didn't allow a hit through six innings uh, last year, if you remember that. Uh, Scherzer was dominant in his start versus the crew. Uh, but Scherzer does struggle against left-handers. That is his one bugaboo. And the Brewers have a lot of left-handers. Victor Carantini actually has really good numbers against Scherzer, so I wouldn't be surprised if Carantini gets a start. Luke Voigt actually has good numbers, too, against him, uh, three for eight. So maybe maybe we get a Luke Voigt appearance uh, for Rowdy Telez. Who knows? Uh, we'll have to see what the lineup looks like. But I do feel like you kind of need a different sort of lineup when you're facing off against a guy like Scherzer. But it'll be fun to watch him in person. Going to the game tonight. I think I'm actually going to do a podcast tonight 
about sort of my experience at Miller Park, giving it a little bit of a review um, if I feel like there's enough content. Uh, but yeah, I think I'll either do a podcast tonight or a podcast tomorrow on Friday, either today or tomorrow. I hate to be flighty on that because I like to give the people what we're doing from a scheduling perspective. But I think we'll go with uh, tonight. Uh, that's my loose plan that I'll, I'll podcast tonight. So you have a Wednesday pod. You'll have Mitch and me Thursday, and then I'll, I'll take off Friday. Uh, but if for some reason there's just not enough there, um, I will push that to doing a Friday show and then take off tomorrow. So you'll either have me Wednesday or you'll have me Friday. Um, and then obviously Mitch and I, uh, after Bucks Bulls, we'll, we'll talk about that. And we have a lot to talk about, as, as you would imagine. All right. That does it for today's show. We will see you tomorrow. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.